again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Pirates Talk. It's a big week for both the men's and women's basketball teams as each has qualified for the postseason. On today's show, we'll talk about what lies ahead for each team as I'm joined by Jerry Carino of APP.com and the Asbury Park Press and head coach of the women's team, Tony Bazella. Jerry is here to discuss the men's game against TCU on Friday in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, what the Hall has to do to win, and if they do, what it will take to be a giant slayer with an expected second-round matchup against the number one seed in the South, Arizona. As for the women, they begin play in the WNIT with a home game on Thursday night against FDU. The women are playing in the postseason for the sixth time, seven if you count the missed COVID year, in eight seasons. And I'm pleased to welcome Tony Pizzella, the women's head coach at Seton Hall, to Pirates Talk. Tony, thanks so much. I can only imagine how busy this time is for you with your team on the verge of playing its first game in the WNIT, but I appreciate you carving out a little time for me in Pirates Talk. Anything for a fellow Seton Hall alum, Matt. Thank you very much. You know, you have one of the best podcasts around, and to be on it and to be asked to be on it, and along with the other people who are on it today, it means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, well, you're too kind, and, and it's, it's my pleasure to welcome you and have you on once again. So I've got to ask you, at the end of January, you're 8-10, and 10, and three and seven in the Big East. You finish twelve and eight in conference play. You go to the conference tournament semifinals, nineteen and twelve. You get this postseason berth. Could you have seen that at the end of January? What the next five, six weeks was all about? You know, when we were, I always thought we would turn the corner, and I and and my boss had said that to me. He's like, "You guys are gonna turn the corner. You're gonna turn the corner." I could see it, and Brian felt was um very uh, prophetic in what he said but you know when you're in the middle of it and you're battling COVID and you're battling injuries just had a little pause like it was frustrating but the girls never stopped playing they never quit and I thought once we could play a good game we could get going and we played Georgetown here and we just exploded we set a school record with 18 three-pointers and all of a sudden we shot like like terrible the day before practice and we did we're not playing well and then we just took off from that point. And I think the girls gained their confidence. Our point guard, um, as great as she was playing, took it at a completely different level, Lauren Park Lane. And Sydney Cooks really took it to a new level as well. And then Andra started to get hot. Maya Jackson got a little healthier. And all of a sudden, we're back to being healthy and playing our game. And, you know, we ended the season by 11 of 13. Our only two losses were to Creighton in double overtime here. And to um, Villanova, obviously, in the Big East semifinals. Uh, it's a terrific run, no question. And and I watched the Big East tournament, and your team was playing so well and had a little pixie dust going, and I thought you'd be able to overcome Villanova and get to that championship game. So, okay, so you see where you are, you know how you finished, and now you're waiting for a possible NCAA bid. There had to be a, a sense of disappointment that it wasn't offered, given how hot your club was down the stretch. You know, Matt, it was very frustrating. And, and I have a very, um, uh, I had a really passionate, um, I'll use the word passionate, uh, press conference after the Villanova game because I was upset. We had won 11 of 12 going in. And, you know, our name wasn't being mentioned like some of the other teams. And I said, that's not fair. I said, if we started off winning 11 of 12 and then went 8 and 10 to end the season, people would still be talking about us. I said, so that's not fair. I, and, 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 and I challenged the media and I challenged um, the committee to 
do what the men's committee and, and media does. I test. Watch the teams that are playing well. I mean, look at Rutgers. When you look at Rutgers, individually, statistical, statistical numbers, like the net of 77 or 78, you know, their losses early on to Lafayette and, and to UMass. Like, you would think they'd have no chance, but they had a chance because they played really well, especially in a middle stretch where they beat five ranked teams in a row. Well, we played really well. We had one eleven of 12, our only loss being in double overtime on the, on, on, on a, in, in a great game. So we should have been considered too, but in the women's game, people have tendency to only fat look at certain teams and only look at certain numbers. And I said, guys, uh, to the, and, and girls to the to the media, if all you're going to do is look at a number, we don't need you. We can have a computer spit out the teams, and we'll just go home. And and I think I got a lot of replay. I probably got about twenty five texts, emails, or calls from other coaches saying, "Amen." We have to use the eye test more in women's basketball. And to the committee's credit, while we didn't get in, I thought they did a really good job. Because when we did lose to Villanova, Matt, I thought that kind of sealed our fate. Now, if we had beaten Villanova and played Connecticut in the finals, I, I would have thought we had two wins over Villanova. We had just beaten DePaul, just beaten Creighton. And I, and I thought, but losing that semifinal game to Villanova, I think, gave them a little bit of an edge. Um, but I do think as we move forward in the future, it's you got to watch the teams play. And when you watch our team play, we're playing really well right now. Well, you mentioned some of the key performers who, well, in Lauren Park Lane's case has been doing it all season long, but the others who have stepped up at the right time and games have gone to the level that you expected. Who were some of the others outside of Lauren and Andre Espinosa, Hunter and Sydney Cooks, who you mentioned? Well, Maya Bembry's been fantastic. Um, she's averaged close to a double-double the last eight or nine games. Um, she hit, obviously, the winning shot against Creighton. It was huge. Also, it was. And, and, you know, Matt, uh, you know, something she'll remember the rest of her life. If she's not going to play professional basketball. She's going to go out into the real world. She's in international studies. She's going to be a lawyer or some sort of diplomat or something like that and do a great job. Um, but she works really hard. She guards the other team's best player, and she never gets any credit for anything. And she's a great screener, and she's a great passer. So the other three kids or four kids counting Maya Jackson love her because she passes them the ball on screens for them. So for her to hit the winning shot, so she played great. And then Maya Jackson's defense really enabled us to do a lot more on the ball pressure with her and then getting the passing lanes. And I think it spurred us to be a much better defensive team the last six weeks. So while Maya didn't score as much, um, she had some really good games, but the game she didn't score, I thought her defense was really exceptional. I'm going to get into Thursday's game in just a moment, but I want to ask a question about the evolving and growing reputation of the Big East. I know at times it's overlooked, but you got four teams in the NCAA, two in the WNIT. What's happening league-wise and the recognition that maybe is following nationally, despite your absolutely honest and dead-on feelings regarding the eye test and, and Seton Hall's omission there? Yeah, and and, and 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 while I was speaking on Seton Hall's behalf, I was also speaking on the other four teams. Mm-hmm. I'm on the NCAA regional committee, and I, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't think I could have fought any harder for my own team as I fought for Villanova and DePaul to get in. I mean, Creighton was already in, but Villanova and DePaul, I, I was very passionate about as well, too. Um, Villanova, obviously, is one of the best players in the country, and Maddie Seagrass and DePaul leads the country in scoring, and the way they play is exciting and, and, and small tough. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they both do well in the tournament, but 
we need to. We need to get our teams in postseason. I think us and Marquette have a legitimate chance of winning the WNIT. I really do. This is the first time I've ever said that. We've gotten in before, and we're like, I win a game. But, you know, it's one day at a time, one game at a time. We have a, a, you know, a formula opponent in the NEC champion, Fairly Dickinson Knights. um, And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yes, the league needs to, to get out there. And Gino has to help. And I've said this to Gino, we've all said to Gino, and he's really doing a good job. He talks about the Big East. He's very passionate about how good our league is and how difficult it is you know, to prepare and the different styles. So he's really helped us as well. And we need to continue to promote the Big East. And uh, I do think it's a league that should get minimum four teams in every year and hopefully one day five or six like the men do. Well, hopefully that day is just on the horizon. So, okay, so FDU, NEC uh, champs, they have the player of the year, Madison Stanley leading the way. Uh, what's the challenge for the Knights when you tip off at seven o'clock? Well, their head coach was my point guard at LIU when we won uh, <laughs> the uh, the NEC championship years and years ago. And she's become a really good friend of mine. Um, and she's just a wonderful person who's, who's just, just a, a, obviously I knew she'd be a great coach, which is a, a great person. And their assistant coach is um, my only three time captain, uh, I've ever had here at Seton Hall, Katie Healy. And there's one thing I will know is they will be very prepared. They will know everything we do and um, we're going to need to play very well. So their staff, I have a nice connection with and, uh, and stuff. They're really good people. And, um, and, and, and Harry Peretta, um, obviously the legendary coach of Villanova, his son, Steven is also on their staff and um, he's a bright and upcoming, very, very intelligent uh, coach. So we're going to, really be challenged preparation wise. They're going to know us. They're going to do a great job taking away our first option. And we're going to have to do a good job offensively of going to our second and third options on the plays. Defensively, they pose problems because they lead the league and fouls are drawn. So they go to the foul line more than any team in the NEC. And we have tendency to, to not close out and do those things properly. And um, defensively they you know, they're going to, you know, uh, I mean, and offensively, they're going to make the pace very slow. So defensively, it's going to be a, a grinded out type game. I'm sure your team was disappointed that they were not offered a bid to the NCAA tournament. And, and for the reasons we discussed, how has the ensuing days gone in terms of getting them ready? They're in the WNIT. You said you can win it, but they've got to put the heartache behind them and get ready for someone who's going to come at them tooth and nail. Absolutely. Friday and Saturday, we had two wonderful practices. And I was like, wow, this is great. And then Monday, we had uh, a horrific practice. And I called five of the players up last night on the phone. I'm like, what is wrong? They're like, we're just disappointed. They're like, listen, we're happy for Villanova and DePaul, but we're frustrated because we think we're every bit as good as those teams. And even Creighton. And I said, girls, we had our opportunities. Um, we fell a little short. There's no sense if you want to show everyone we should have been in the NCAA tournament. Let's go and be successful in the NIT tournament. And then you can say all you want that we should have been in. But if we're not successful in the NIT tournament, people are going to say, see, they were only this level. So I think that clearly motivated them. And we had a great practice today. So our kids are excited to play. They love to play basketball, Matt. And they love to represent Seton Hall. They really do. They love being here. With that being said, as soon as, um, you know, we, we talked um, last night, um, I think they've come in with a, a new focus and a new bit of energy. And we had a really good day today. So I think we're going to be ready to play on Thursday. We need to be. Otherwise, we won't be lasting very long. 
I know the students get tickets for free. Students are back on campus. Spring break is over. I know a lot of them are thinking about Friday night. That's understandable. They want to see support the men's team, but they got a chance to come out and root you guys on. I know there's a big push to make sure that that, that gymnasium is packed. Yeah, our, our administration has really, you know, really – and embody this and, and and they've really taken a hold of this and and they've been great and it's very easy it could be like listen we're going to the manager but no they've been great about it we're excited we're you know they get to see us play live while most of the kids unfortunately will only be able to watch our men but i do think we're going to have a great crowd anyone and everyone who, who can come out i would appreciate it um like i said fdu is is well coached they're champions of the nec they were 15 and 3 in their league um it's going to be a hard game and i do think if we can get a good crowd we will have the opportunity to host the second game if we win because the NIT looks at most, you know, who, who has the best attendance and who has the best atmosphere. And I know the atmosphere at Seton Hall is always great and our fans are always great. So I think not only can they spur us to a, hopefully a victory on Thursday, they can get us another home game down the line. And so you play the winner of Stony Brook and VCU, correct, in the next round? We do. Okay. So uh, help me here in just the last couple and we'll let you go, Tony. Yeah. Uh, help, help me how – the tour, I, I've been trying to find it, quite frankly. I'm going through the yep. NCAA site. I'm looking at cbs.com. Uh, I'm trying to find out how the seeding goes. I mean, it's pretty simple with the men. You so can follow we, it out. So what happens with the yeah, women here? With Each each region is seeded. Okay. So we're the third seed in our region. Um, the one seed being Boston College, the two seed being Fordham, the three seed being Seton Hall, um, and, and, and so on down the line. Um, we're obviously going to play the 14th seed in the first uh, seed in our region, FDU. And then we would play the winner of six and 11. And normally you'd be like, well, you play the winner of six and 11, you get home, but they do, um, the WIT factors attendance because they want to be a great atmosphere as you go. So that's very important to them. Um, and they're going to, and they factor a little bit of proximity in the seating, but, um, it's been pretty straightforward. Um, when you look at the four regions, they're seated. Um, you know, you can argue this team should have been five. This team should have been six. But for the most part, the number one seeds, the number two seeds, number three seeds, all based on your record, your league, your net, your RPI. They use like nine different criteria. Um, they use um, um, a lot of different ones. They rely actually a little more on the RPI than the net, while the NCAA relies a lot on the net. Um, so that's how we got seated third. And um, – <laughs> Fordham, which beat us in the regular season, ended up getting seated uh, too because of that head-to-head matchup. Got it, got it. So last one, and I'll let you go, and you've touched upon it throughout, but maybe in a concise manner here to wrap things up. You said you believe your team has a chance to win this championship. Make the argument here why Seton Hall can be crowned WNIT champs. Well, I, I do think we're one of the top 50 teams in the country. And, you know, clearly you get 68 teams at NCAAs with, with, you know, at law, with automatics and all that. It's not the top 68. It, it's just, it's a great field of 68. But I do, I feel we have, you know, the, a point guard who's up for All-American. I mean, Lauren Park Lane is, you know, averaging close to 20 points a game, second in the country in assists. You know, there's not a better personality or competitor than her. Andre Espinosa, Hunter has been, you know, an all Big East selection two years in a row and, you know, is, you know, a tremendous shooter. And Sidney Cook um, made first team all Big East this year and has averaged over 20 points a game the second half of the year and finished, I think, averaging close to 16. And his guy, you know, is on the board to be a top 10, 15 draft choice a couple of years from now, her and Lauren. So you're going to see an exciting style of play. You're going to see kids that are very passionate. I can score the ball. And then you have kids like Maya Jackson and Maya Bembry who are 
great players in their own right that are really starting to come into their own, both on the offensive and defensive end. And, you know, we, we, we have a strong bench. We play with a lot of enthusiasm. And I think, Matt, if we can just get that first quarter, a little bit of the nerves, a little bit of the frustration out, I think this team has a chance. Like I, Brian Felter told me way back, your team has a chance to go on a roll. And I think this team would have a chance to go on a roll. We just got to get through the first quarter, first half. Survive in advance, as they say. Tony, yes. good luck to you and the Pirates. Uh, it's been a great run, particularly the second half of the season. Once again in the postseason, good luck starting on Thursday against FDU. Let's hope the fans get out there and support the Pirates, and then you're on your way. Thanks for, so much. Matt, thank you, and, and best of luck to, obviously, our men and, um, and and us as well. And thanks for having me. And, uh, uh, again, you know how highly I think of you and your podcast. Thanks again. So from the women's side to the men's. Friday in San Diego, the Pirates open up NCAA play against TCU with the winner likely facing Arizona, the number one seed in the South. Here to give us all you need to know about Friday's opener is my good friend Jerry Carino of APP.com and the Asbury Park Press. A good friend, a good friend of the show, who I'm pleased to welcome once again to Pirates Talk. Jerry Carino, thanks so much for joining me on the show. <laughs> I'm looking at your itinerary, which you've put out on Twitter. Tell our listeners a little bit about what lies ahead for you. So it's a pretty crazy couple of days, uh, Matt. I'm, I'm flying to, uh, to Dayton. Wednesday afternoon. I don't even have a hotel. I'm going straight to the arena. <laughs> gonna, gonna, gonna cover. Who needs a bed this time of year? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover uh, Rutgers Notre Dame. Game starts at nine, whatever. And then I'll probably get out of the arena about two in the morning. I'll probably go straight to Dayton Airport. I got a six a.m. flight uh, to San Diego. I'll get there at ten thirty San Diego time and Seton Hall's press conference, and then followed by an open practice, it starts at 3.30. So I'll probably go straight to the arena again when I get to San Diego, have lunch there, and, uh, you know, start start talking uh, Seton Hall and TCU in advance of that game. Now, then after I get out of there, out of that open practice, I'm going to head to the nearest establishment with a big TV, and you bet your, your uh, bottom dollar I'm going to watch St. Peter's play Kentucky and Indianapolis. Uh, Thursday night, and I did look into could I go Dayton, Indianapolis, San Diego, but it was just a little too crazy, and I do have to be at Seton Hall's practice and Rutgers too. Rutgers, if they win, they'll be practicing right after Seton Hall on uh, Thursday in San Diego. So it is a wild, wild week. But this is why you do the job, Matt. This is why you follow college basketball for weeks like this. The excitement is obvious in your voice. And by the way, as you know, sleep is overrated. You'll be getting by <laughs> on adrenaline. You better be or I'm in trouble. <laughs> You'll be getting by on uh, adrenaline. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, Seton Hall as they prepare for TCU. We'll get into the Horn Frogs in just a little bit. But uh, what's the latest on Kadari Richmond? Because his ability to play through some pain and play with that injury is a key to whatever success Seton Hall might have. He's doing a lot better, Matt. And uh, I think this, you know, these eight days off will really help him. Uh, I do think it, look, pr playing Friday night at 10 o'clock or whenever it's going to tip 10, 15, 10, 30 on the West coast, it doesn't seem ideal to like the, you know, the average fan, but I do think that every, every extra day, every extra hour 
helps. It helps Seton Hall acclimate to the time change, which was a problem when they went to Denver and played on Thursday in 2016. And it helps Richmond heal. So, like, they have not had a bye because of all the, you know, the scheduling issues. They had to make up some games. They have not had a full week off. And Richmond needed it more than anybody. So, by all accounts, it seems like he's doing better. Uh, I think he's going to have to play through some pain, but not nearly as much much dysfunction as he did in the Big East tournament. Like he, he was having trouble dribbling. I mean, he the, the thumb was not even in the right place. So I do think that will help them immensely. And as you know, they need him to be close to 100% to do anything in, against this field. Yeah, they're, they're banged up and missing guys at the point guard spot. Anyway, if he can't go, then they're forcing Jameer Harris to play more minutes. And as we've discussed before and in, in person at games, he's really more of a shooting guard. He's done well in the role that he's been asked to fill, but it does change right. things dramatically for Seton Hall. Here's the thing that, that concerns me. Boy, they just got pounded by UConn. And maybe it wasn't a good matchup. You know, style makes for fights and all that sort of stuff. What about the emotional disappointment that the Hall has to put behind it as it gets ready for TCU? Is there any hangover from the way they performed against UConn? No. In fact, I will tell you, I think that I think the total opposite, Matt. I, I have studied this for years. I think the conference tournaments are booby prizes. They're, they're fun for fans, and they make money, and, you know, they're good for hype. But I have seen teams exhaust themselves making runs in conference tournaments and then have nothing left for the NCAA tournament. It happened to Seton Hall in 2019. They made that great but, you know, harrowing run to the final. They beat Marquette in that wild semifinal, a three-hour game. They lost by two to Villanova in the championship. They had nothing left when they got to, to play Wofford in Jacksonville. It happened to them in 2016 when they won the Big East tournament and they went to Denver and got whacked by Gonzaga. So I will not be surprised to see Virginia Tech, Iowa, some of the teams that ran through their conference tournaments this week fall flat on their face in the NCAA tournament in the early going. You expend a lot of emotional energy. I think, if anything, Seton Hall's early exit was helpful for more rest, which, as we discussed, they needed. I also think it will help them be doubly motivated to come back and perform better because they were embarrassed. So I think that's – and I, Kevin, I think Kevin Willard will agree with this privately. He'll never say it publicly. He will tell you that it's, there's an advantage to exiting a conference tournament early. Now, all of that said, the one concern I have is that did UConn – are they exposed against a team of UConn's physicality at this point in the season, maybe with fatigue? And TC, UConn plays like UConn. So they're not as good as UConn, but they have a similar style in physical – rebounding, toughness, and that Seton Hall's front court handled that really badly. So that is a concern going into this game, that they're getting a mini UConn in this, as an opponent in the first round. But I would not worry about the result or the early exit at all. I think that actually could be beneficial in a way. So then on to what did happen in that UConn game, as you just mentioned, the, the, the rebounding advantage. I mean, they were ferocious, the Huskies on the board. And boy, Seton Hall couldn't get second opportunities. They couldn't get to loose balls. So how do they handle what TCU will bring on Thursday, on Friday, excuse yeah, me? Yeah, they got out-toughed. I mean, Seton Hall got out-toughed. Which that. is surprising, got, isn't it, for a Seton Hall yes. team? The old, what I'll say is they did play a game the day before, and they played a game where they had to pull out all the stops. So there is, and there was a late game. And the other thing about these late games, it is tiring. You know, these, these kids come home at 1, 2 a.m. You can't go to bed after a game like that. So... They did play a late game the night before. You know, UConn was fresh. 
that did show. It, what really concerned me is that Seton Hall got beaten up on the boards in both their games last week. You know, Georgetown had 18 or no, 20, 20 offensive rebounds. Uh, UConn had maybe a few less than that. They gave up almost 40 offensive rebounds. So TCU is the, is the number 10 offensive rebounding team in the country. They're plus eight in rebounding margin. So now, it, so it does. It is concerning that Seton Hall's bigs got, got beaten down so badly. Uh, what I will tell you is TCU is not as good as UConn. I mean, UConn is a really good team. I think they're underseeded at five. UConn's really good. I can see them making a foul four run. TCU plays like them and has that toughness, but they're just the players just are not as good as UConn's players. So I do think Seton Hall has to, has to sort of, you're going to have to, you know, pull up the big boy pants here and, and play tougher than they did. But they also won't be facing an obstacle quite as big as UConn. And, and you know, eight days rest, no excuses for being out toughed or out-rebounded. St. Hall's not a bad rebounding team. They had a bad rebounding week last week. That that they did, and they'll have to bounce back. Uh, I would suspect that Jared Roden will have a bounce-back game. Uh, his The way he left the garden floor is not the way he wants to uh, be remembered. Uh, it just wasn't a good game for him. Yeah, two for thirteen. And look, you, you have your. This is basketball. When your best player struggles, you, you know your chances, your odds are not good. Okay. And they had a UConn has a good player who they, you know, they were able to put on him and, and shut him down. He gave Roden trouble, a lot of trouble in the other two games they played too. So a lot of basketball is about matchups. I don't know TCU's personnel that that well. Uh, I don't know if they have anybody who matches up with Roden. He's got a unique skill set with that pull up jumper. He can score inside, outside. Uh, the pull up jumper is an odd thing. Most teams don't know how to defend it because most schools, most teams don't have a player who shoots it. You know, it's a it's a, in the paint or a three point world right now. So he he can be a matchup problem. You know, UConn had a guy. I don't know if I don't know if TCU has a guy, but I do think knowing Roden, knowing him really well, I do think he will be highly motivated by what happened. He was embarrassed. He knows he cost his team, and I think Roden is the best player on the floor in this game. You, TCU does not have a player as good as Jared Roden. So, you know, he's going to have to play well for them to win. But I will be surprised if he has a bad game again. I think this is a spot where he can excel. And he has played in the NCAA tournament before. It was a while ago, but he has played in it, and that doesn't hurt either. Any other keys as you look at this game? Yes, Ike Obiago, that's a huge key for them in this game. So TCU is a terrible shooting team, man. I mean, they can't throw the ball in the ocean. They shoot 30% from three-point range. That's like the bottom 10% of the country. One of the, the only other high major teams that shot worse from them from deep, there's three of them, and none of them made the NCAA tournament. Uh, they shoot foul shots terribly. Uh, they just don't shoot the ball well. TCU scores on putbacks, which we discussed the importance of defensive rebounding, and they score by attacking the rim. That's where Ike Biago comes in. He is the consummate seven foot two rim protector. Now, there are, there are issues that he has. One of them is he gets in foul trouble. They cannot have him in foul trouble. Some of that depends on the whistle. You know, if there's a tight whistle, it could be problematic for him. But the other thing is, once or twice a game, Ike picks up fouls on weird moving screens. They cannot have that. He cannot have a moving screen. Every foul will be critical for him. So, and sometimes teams with mobile bigs, you know, run their players on the outside and pull Ike from the paint. Because Seton Hall plays a straight man. So, if he's pulled from the paint, he's not as effective. He's not that fast in getting back to be able to protect the rim. It doesn't seem like TCU has that player. They have a big lumbering center. So I do think that that helps, that bodes well for Ike. But for a team that scores at the rim, 
for Seton Hall to have a top five in the country shot blocker is a really big key. The third key in this game, you know, we mentioned we mentioned um, the rebounding, we mentioned Ike and the shot blocking. The third key in this game is Seton Hall's got to make some threes. I mean, this is basic basketball, I understand. It's not rocket science, but if you look at the three games, the three best wins Seton Hall had after Bryce Aiken went down, both games against Creighton and the big win at the routed Xavier, Seton Hall shot 43% from three-point range in those games. TCU defends the arc very well. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to make some threes. And Trey Jackson is a key guy. He's 6'10". He shoots threes. He's hard to match up with. He's been on a spaceship these last couple of games. One for nine after he was five for five at Xavier. He's due for a big game, and they could use that from him in terms of getting this offense going. All right, so those are a couple of things to look at. I'm going to end eventually a couple of minutes from now on a prediction. But if Seton Hall – well, tell me how you think – let's get there right away. How, how do you see this game turning out? First of all, I think it's going to be low scoring. TCU plays at a very slow pace. Seton Hall plays at a moderate to slow pace. Uh, both really good defensive teams. I just don't see a high-scoring game. I don't see it. And uh, I see a game in the 50s or low 60s. Also, these teams are really evenly paired. If you look at the analytics, if you look at the schedule they've played, TCU, they didn't play as tough as out-of-conference schedule as Seton Hall. few teams did. But their, their league is really, really good. The Big 12 is better than the Big East. I'm not demeaning the Big East. The Big 12 is a great, great league. And so TCU has played a good schedule. They're battle-tested. So is Seton Hall. So I don't I, – I think the teams are even, you know. They're a lot alike. They're mirror images. They're even. I see a close game. I would give Seton Hall the intangible edge in one key area, experience. TCU is very young. Their best players are sophomores and freshmen. Uh, they only have one player who's played an NCAA tournament game, and he comes off the bench. Seton Hall has seniors and grad transfers. They have four guys who play in the NCAA tournament. Miles Kale has won a game in the NCAA tournament. Kadari Richmond has won two games in the NCAA tournament. Ike Obiagu has won three games in the NCAA tournament. So that matters, I think, on this stage. I think Seton Hall, with their edge and experience, with Richmond being hard to match up because of his height, because TCU's guards are short, and with Roden being the best player on the floor, I give Seton Hall a slight edge. I'm going to predict 58-56, low scoring, but Seton Hall finds a way to win or holds on. All right, so if that happens or if it turns out that TCU comes up with the W, uh, Arizona in all likelihood awaits. Can either yes. of these teams hold the upset in the second game? Okay, now is when you got to inhale and exhale <laughs> because it's, it was not a good draw. It was not a good draw. The worst draw in the whole field for a team of Seton Hall's profile would have been going to Portland to play opposite Gonzaga, like that 8-9 track in Portland, that's the kiss of death, okay? So they did not get that. But this is not far behind because Arizona is the second-best team in the country according to all the metrics in the polls. They've won 31 games, and they, uh, they're playing, you know, on the West Coast. They're playing in their, in their backyard. I mean, it's six hours. I understand things are different than they are here in the Northeast, but it's going to be an Arizona crowd in an Arizona time zone, and so it is a very tall order. Here's what I will say. If you look at a, I cannot predict a scene all victory over Arizona. I just can't. But if you're looking for reasons to believe, here's, here's I'll give you two reasons, two and a half reasons. One is Arizona's point guard is hurt. Point guard, most important player in college basketball, in most of basketball, okay? Their point guard's hurt. Now, he's going to play probably, but he's got a bum ankle, and it bears watching in that first in their first round game, even though they'll be playing a 16 seed, he does not. He if he's not right, that's that could matter. That could matter. 
because this is a team that scores points. Arizona is an offensive-based team, total opposite than uh, TCU. So if the point guards hurt, that could be an issue. Number two, this is all new to Arizona. All young players, all new players, first-year head coach. They've never been at a stage like this, and they play in a Pac-12, let's face it, that flies under the radar. Really only two other good teams in the conference in UCLA and USC. So Seton Hall is more hard and battle-tested. Can that help them overcome the huge, what I think is a huge talent disparity? And, you know, the playing on the West Coast, probably not. But I think it does give them a puncher's chance. But, man, that is a lot to ask. And if they ever won that game, then, you know, it's, it's the sky's the limit for an eight seed that breaks through in the second round. Well, it is something to look forward to, but it begins, as we said, survive in advance. It starts with the first game. Got to get that one before you worry about being a giant killer. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with your travels. We'll be following your uh, sojourn and your reports from various points around the country, both uh, on app.com and the Asbury Park Press and your tweets, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you again. Safe travels, my friend, and uh, we'll see you soon. What I, Matt, what I would say to everybody is that enjoy the NCAA tournament. Don't take it for granted because, you know, there are schools that would kill to be in Seton Hall's position right now. So soak it up while you can. Good point. Good point. All right. Safe travels, Jerry. And thanks very much again. Thanks a lot. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks to women's head coach Tony Pazella and to APP.com's Jerry Carino for joining me today. Best of luck to Coach Pazella's club in the WNIT as they open up at home against FDU on Thursday. And good luck to Kevin Willard's Pirates as they prepare for TCU. And that's it for both teams. Good luck in your first game. No looking ahead. It's survive and advance time in college basketball. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates. Pirates.